It's time for a new evolution in raising golfers, one that doesn't involve headaches, tears, or heading down the path of unknown. Whether you're trying to introduce children to the game of golf, help them play competitively, or play at a collegiate level, you're in the right place. This show is for any parent, player, or coach who wants to build a better team at home and on the golf course. This is the Raising Golfers Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Raising Golfers Podcast. Children are starting to head back to school, which is great to hear. Recently, I've been getting a lot of inquiries about golf programs for after school, and it seems that golf is still so popular, and let's hope to keep it this way so that we can get as many children to have a burning desire to play the game of golf. Today, we have PGA Master Professional Dave Malone coming back on the podcast to discuss something he uses when welcoming children into his junior golf program. And that is the differences between having mild desire and burning desire. In this episode, we will discuss how to get juniors up that scale closer to the burning desire side and how to keep them there. I have to apologize in this episode. I've had my first technical difficulty related to my mic. So I hope you understand that the quality of this recording from my side is not at its standard. Let's bring Dave back in to the podcast. All right, Dave Malone, welcome back to the Raising Golfers podcast. Travis, thanks for having me on. Look forward to it. Yeah, always excited to have you here on the podcast, Dave. And, uh, you know, you've been a big help to the growth of this podcast and different ideas and topics to discuss. And I really appreciate your feedback, you know, after each episode, because I know you're an avid listener of the podcast, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's great to hear the feedback that you have and the input you have towards junior golf. So, as always, I thank you very much for everything, Dave. You've been so helpful. Yeah, thank you. And I think you educate coaches and juniors and parents all the time. So it's a great tool. Uh, I appreciate that. Now, today we're going to talk about something that I found very interesting. And this is something that came from your book, Coaching Parents for a New Generation of Junior Golfers. And it's talking about mild desire versus burning desire. And, you know, I think this is something that a lot of us, whether it's a parent or coach, you know, thinks about, but not to that level of actually kind of putting a, almost like a, an idea or scale onto it, right? It's like, how much interest does somebody have, right? So it's kind of the extent of what I did before, but I like this a lot more. So I think the first thing would be is if you could describe or give us some ideas of what would be the difference between a child who has mild desire versus burning desire towards the game of golf? Well, I would say a mild desire, you know, gets you mild results, Travis. And that burning desire creates hopefully tremendous results and is ongoing and uh, continues to motivate you uh, through the difficult times, you know, the challenges that come up along the way, especially with golf. And what would you see, like, if with somebody with a mild desire, a junior golfer comes with a mild desire, like, what types of attitude or traits might they have, or maybe practice routines might you see with somebody with mild desire? Well, they might arrive late if you have a group setting. Mm. Uh, definitely not, yeah, not arrive prepared, obviously. It might be the first to leave, and... Mm. Uh, or that burning desire, nothing is going to get in the way of progress there or their hopes and their dreams. And as we know, they might be the first one to get there and the last one to leave. 
what might make you think that somebody might get this gauge wrong with their own child where maybe the child actually has a mild desire, but the parent actually thinks that they have a burning desire? That's a good question. It'd be good to get inside the head of some of these juniors and that they're pretty guarded or at least the parents guard them. But I, all the time, it's the parents that have that burning desire. We asked that question on one of our assessments. What is your child's desire to play golf? And we rate it from one to 10 with, I guess, one being no desire and 10 being burning, burning desire. And you always wonder, is it the parent that filled out that question rating it one to 10 or was it actually the child? And right. I'm, I'm guessing that the, the parent more than the child. But I think you can usually find out when you have that first meeting you know, how sincere that was and, and, and then kind of determine your game plan based on that more of a, more of a recreational golfer versus a competitive golfer. I suppose a competitive golfer has that burning desire or more apt to have that burning desire. Right now I'm interested just, you know, it sounds like, you know, when you give this assessment to the families, do you find more often that the rating for towards brain desire is, is, is usually higher than actually what the junior golfer is? or vice versa or you know what's been kind of like if you look back at the data that you received from giving this assessment based on mild desire versus brain desire like where 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 have most people landed on that scale yeah i would say it's safe to say they've overrated their child and we've been doing this for two or three years and i've never seen one come back under five i see and and you know (laughs) that's why we put one two three four because there's you know somebody does fall in that category and I don't know if they're trying to impress the coach, you know, or afraid the coach won't take them on if they have a small desire or if they're living through their child, the parents, and uh, maybe they're trying to latch on to something. So what kind of conversation would you have then with the parents if, let's just say they rated it as a seven, but you actually think the desire, because maybe this junior golfer just started out in a sport, right? And they're just trying to figure out, is this something they like? But then you later find out that they're probably more on the scale of like a two or three you know, what's the conversation that you have with parents to then talk to them about maybe what some of the goals might be? Well, you know, I try to verify some of their, their information, you know, tournaments they've played in, other experiences that they've had with golf, and uh, see how, you know, if they've had very little experience and they're not very athletic and they're looking at their iPhone while we're having the assessment, then that's a red flag for sure. But I th- you can usually tell their eyes, you know, their 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 body language. Usually, sometimes you can kind of reflect that. And but I think it takes time, I guess. But I always tell the parents, you know, sometimes after the process has started and they've taken a few lessons, well, again, mild desire gets mild results. It's kind of the coach gets blamed, and uh, inconsistent golf becomes from inconsistent behavior. And so I I write that down to always if I need to go back to it and talk to the parents. I guess I would ask mom or dad, is would you like to update this burning desire scale one to 10? Has anything changed that I'm not aware of? That number probably goes down more than goes up. I see, right. And that's probably initially, right? Would Would you say then part of your ambition with the junior golfer is to try to move them up that scale along the way? Oh, absolutely. You know, again, trying to have them fall in love with golf. If they fall in love with golf, then most everything else takes care of themselves. And uh, if you can't get them to fall in love with golf, they're probably not anywhere near that that burning desire level. Absolutely, yeah. I would totally agree. 
you know, I think about this scale and I think a lot of times, you know, let's just say you've got a junior golfer who's brain or whose desire is more towards the mild scale, but they've played golf for the last two, three years. You know, part of it could be just the learning environment that they've been in, in the game of golf. And what I mean by that is that junior golfer could have just been taking one-on-one lessons maybe twice per month or something like that, but never actually had a true opportunity to join a junior golf program or be around other juniors during a program, or maybe the program didn't involve on-course play or didn't have things like the PGA Junior League, right? And then all of a sudden that junior golfer switches to another junior golf program and that environment all of a sudden helps boost them up that desire level and moves them more towards the burning desire. And I, I only say this because it's things that I believe I have seen when junior golfers get involved in a positive learning environment. And again, I don't always know what their history and their background was, but certainly having that environment will help them move up that scale from what I've seen. And, um, I, I think it's it's wonderful to see, isn't it? Yeah, and I think coaching is a huge impact on that. And I think, you know, we go back to this all the time. I would rather have my most experienced coach working with juniors versus somebody that is beginning stages. I mean, they know how to motivate. They know how to create that environment. And I think it helps, too, if if they've had children themselves. And uh, just hard for me to imagine – a junior coach that has never had children understanding the the entire environment how important that is for sure absolutely yeah it, i totally agree you know I, th- I think about this sometimes and you know when i set things up for my group programs here like if you look at it it almost looks like sometimes like a mini golf course or it looks like some type of birthday party or you know some type of like very childish scaled down thing and i wonder what people sometimes think and i hear comments here and there right but I set this up because of experience, and experience doesn't necessarily mean as a coach that you have to be the best technically. It also it means that you have to be the best to be able to adapt to the learning and the the developmental stage of the junior golfers to know how to best click with them, right? And so it's like, sure, my technical knowledge has gone up over the last ten years of coaching, but that doesn't necessarily applying that means it's going to be the best thing for the environment for the junior golfer, right? What might be the best thing is is setting up a bunch of targets on the green or putting a bunch of colorful noodles or make it into the game. I've been playing this one called Pirates of the Caribbean recently. Just having a theme or a story behind it will all of a sudden, I think, boost up that desire. And like you said, I think that comes from experience as a golf coach. And I also think it does help. I would agree having children understands a lot of that, especially um, where they are developmentally and also the emotional side. Yeah, and I think it helps to kind of be a child at heart. And, and uh, keep your mind young and being able to relate to them. And it's funny you mentioned all those games, those fun games. It's it's amazing to me that when the that session's over and then all of a sudden you haven't had a chance to tear it down and then some of the adults get out there and they, they have fun. So it it applies to, applies to everyone. Everybody likes to have fun. 100%. Totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. So now moving – Along with this, I think we kind of touched into, and I think it'd be clear off those examples that we just gave that if a child doesn't have burning desire at the gate, there are things that we can do to help boost that desire. And I think as coaches, we can help boost that desire by having these environments that kind of allow the children to come in and thrive in. Would you have any tips for parents to help get their child to go from a mild desire to burning desire? Is there anything that parents can do, whether it's on the golf course or at home? 
Well, yeah, I think they can help surround their child with a bunch of desire boosters. I mean, kind of, first of all, get them away from negative people or distractions along the line that the child might not even think is a distraction and, uh, you know, and try to surround themselves with desire boosters all over the place. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. And try to, you know, try to soak them with energy and drive, you know, just little tips, little suggestions, anything you can do, especially at that age, doesn't take them, take much to get real energized. And, uh, of course, the other thing is avoid the burnout. And usually burnout comes from the parents, parents down, not from the child up. So be careful you know, along the way and, and give them a break from golf or, like you said, keep it fun all the time and uh, less likely to get burnt out. So it sounds like you know, with the burnout, then it's possible that a child could have had burning desire and actually could start to lose that burning desire if they start heading towards that burnout stage. Is that right? Yes, definitely. I think burnout is probably at the top of the list and, uh, and, or sometimes not getting a coach involved that has knowledge or experience in, in working with junior golfers and using the right terminology and knows what buttons to push and knows what triggers to avoid. Do you think that burnout happens a lot because the way that the junior golfer is treated, let's just say they start to move into the developmental stage or they're playing in tournaments, their skill level's getting up, but the way that the junior golfer is treated in the game of golf, whether it's from coaches or parents, is too much adult-like and gets too far away from some of where they started, which was a lot of um, interest and fun and activities. Yeah, no question. I mean, they're kids. You know, a lot of times they're 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, and what they like and what adults like are two different things. And, uh, yeah, I'll speak their language, um, give them breaks, you know, uh, think like they think. That's hard to do. That's really hard to do for most parents. Is, and you see it, you and I see it all the time on the practice range when we're working with the student, and you overhear the conversations from the – the parents or the grandparents, and, and and they just need to have a little education to help. I don't think it takes much. I mean, a lot of times I'll have the, the parent giving the child like a different swing thought, every swing, and I listen, I'm, and then I try to maybe educate the parent by pulling them aside and say, let me watch you hit a ball. Do you play golf? Yes, sir, I do. Okay, let me watch you hit a couple, and I'll throw out about eight swing thoughts. And they turn to me and they say, okay, I get it. <laughs> I like that example. <laughs> that's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, that's yeah, that's great. Well, you know, it's interesting that you were talking about this because I hear a lot with when I talk to parents of junior golfers. You know, one of the first things I always mention is I say, you know, I want their experience in golf to be positive and stay positive. And you know, a, a, a response I usually get is, "My child already likes golf." And I say, you know, that, that's, that's really good. And I think that's an important first step. But no matter what age your junior golfer is, literally, it doesn't matter what age your junior golfer is, whether they're three years old or whether they're 17, they still have to have the interest in the game. And the experience still has to stay positive. And what I mean by that is just because they like it now does not mean that they're going to like it in six months if all of a sudden the environment that they're in changes. And what I mean by that is kind of going back to like treating them like an adult. And I'm guilty of this. Like I, I'm so guilty of this in the, in the past where like, I'm like, okay, this junior golfers will just want a tournament. Now I've got to start uh, treating them like 
quote unquote, let's just say like a professional golfer. I put them on this very strict regimen of practice and play and, and, and training and all of these things where deep down, they just want to keep having fun and going out on the golf course and like, sure, their skill level is good, but that doesn't mean that I need to then all of a sudden restrict them from all the fun that they were having and start putting this hard train in. Now, don't get me wrong. If their goal is to continue to get better, sure, we can add in some things, but I don't think the best formula would be to take away the experience and the fun away from them at that point. I think it has to be blended in and there needs to be a balance. Would you agree, Dave? Yeah, and I think each child is different based on maturity and maybe internal drive or desire, but I think you're right, add it inch by inch, and then you'll kind of test the waters there to see if they're receptive, and if they're not, then you kind of slow things down, and if they are, then you kind of gently add more things on and, and lightly, but every, every child's different, and you, as a good golf coach, you got to figure out their personality and what their mindset is, and that, that as you know, it didn't happen overnight. It might take five, six lessons into it, and everybody has to be patient. And uh, what the parents' perception is versus reality sometimes is different too. So once one-on-one coaching, eventually, hopefully you figure that out. Yeah, and I think, you know, what you said there it also brings up a good point is as adults, coaches, and parents, I think a question we have to ask junior golfers a lot of time is, you know, what is it about golf that you like? So do you like the golf lessons? Do you like the group lessons, the one-on-one lessons? Do you like the on-course lessons? Do you like the on-course play? Do you like tournaments? All these types of questions to kind of get a feel engaged for what it is that the junior golfer is actually truly like. Because what you would be interested, what would be interesting to find out would be is like, if the junior golfer likes this one part of the game, which could be, let's just say course play, right? Course play meeting with their buddies. But we're taking that away from them and we're saying, okay, only come for one-on-one lessons or only do this, right? And then all of a sudden that burning desire can slowly start going back down the scale because we're not asking them enough questions and actually understanding what it is they truly like about the game and what keeps their desire high. Yeah, every child's different. And us as a coach, we have to figure out what approach to take. And uh, you're right, push the wrong wrong buttons. You may they may quickly lose that desire. Then you got to spend a lot of time trying to build that back up. And, for sure but you're right if you ask a group of kids juniors what what they like about golf you might get 12 different answers and so that's a good example you better kind of figure out what's what's good for each for sure yeah absolutely and it could change you know the the, the junior golfer's answer could change week by week month by month right but again i think that goes back to having a balance for the junior golfer you know whether it's a bit of one-on-one instruction whether it's a bit of group classes, whether it's a bit of on-course play, whether it's a bit of, you know, simulated tournament play, whether it's PGA Junior League, or actually going out and playing like a U.S. Kids uh, Tour event, or going out and playing an AJJ event, you know, but I think the balance is key, and again, I was guilty of then getting away from that balance as soon as I started seeing skill levels go up, and be like, okay, now let's only do one-on-one lessons, and now let's only train this way, right? And then all of a sudden that burning desire started going away and away and away. Because like you said, they're still kids. You know, and then you see a 10-year-old in a one-on-one lesson, you could just see their their attitude and their motivation just like drifting away, right? Because they don't want to sit there and just, you know, talk about, you know, their wrist angles and, you know, upper body angles and rotation, all that kind of stuff, right? They're like, can I just hit the ball? And can I, you know, can I just play this game, you know? And, when can I start hitting driver? Like you still get those questions from a 10 year old who's already good, right? Cause they still want to have fun. 
Yeah, it's easy to overteach, and uh, and it's definitely easy to overteach if you don't have experience. And again, that's why I think the biggest challenge in instruction is is beginners, you know, or young golfers. I mean, uh, you can you can increase that desire, or you can uh, take it down to nothing, and then and then what have you done? And uh, it's a little bit easier to teach a better player because they probably have that desire, mm. and sometimes they just need a little tweak in you know in their swing. And things get better, and with juniors, again, you want to develop that love first and develop that swing a little bit later. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Developing the love first, I think, is huge. And then I think keeping the love is also huge. I think that's a very delicate part of the progression development of a junior golfer is is really doing that because it's not an easy task to, to keep them loving the game either, right? And I think as adults, we have to just really, really – help that process a lot because i mean this is this is advice for everybody listening whether you're a coach or a parent like it can be lost it really can be and i've seen it happen time and time again and you know going back to the famous quote from matt reagan from episode two he's uh, from operation 36 and he said you know what most people's goal is is to play this game of golf with your children for the rest of your lives and if you think of it that way that puts a lot into perspective of what it is you actually really want. And, you know, wouldn't you, wouldn't you as a parent, let's just say you're the father of your child and the father loves golf, right? The golf is the father's sport. You would love to be able to play this game of golf with your child until you are, let's just say 70, 80, 90 years old and your child's in their fifties, sixties, whatever. Right. I mean, just how cool would it be that you can still go on golf trips and do those kinds of fun things with your child that should be the ultimate goal, shouldn't it? Because if the goal is, is is different than that and the child walks away from the sport at age 15 while the adult still loves the game and, you know, for whatever reason, they lost that love or that desire, you know, it's going to be very disappointing, I think, for everybody involved. Yeah, it's it's really a fantastic feeling when one of my, I have two boys and a girl, one of them calls me and says, hey, Dad, let's play golf. And they're in their mid-30s and mid-20s and there's really not a better feeling. So I totally agree with what you're just saying there. Did you have that thought process, Dave, when you were raising your children in the game? Probably not, Travis. You know, I mean, I did It worked out that way. I'm <laughs> thankful for that. But yes, never, never crossed my mind. So that's, right. that's, that's, that's a good thought. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, you know, you've been very fortunate, right? And I would say I was fortunate to hear that with my children being so young, right? And you know, I think the reason I'm sharing that and I've shared that message over and over and over is I think it helps us adults kind of re-reflect on what it is that we truly want, right? Because all these little junior golfers are not all going to turn into Tiger Woods. You know, it's just not the reality, right? Sure, we can help keep their dreams alive and we need to be doing that, but we have to do it at a, at a point where the desire stays high, the love of the golf, uh, the love of the game stays high, and they continue to want to play this game even after their junior golf years and into adulthood right well yeah and that's uh, we need as coaches educate the parents that hey everything you do hopefully 20 years from now your son or daughter will call you to want to play golf and if you do that you probably uh, coach lightly and, and didn't even get close to burning out your kids with golf and uh, they had fun hanging out with you and uh, that's something they'll cherish and, and remember forever uh, you know those times with family members and parents and that, that they played golf with with Absolutely. Now, I'd like to go into a couple things here, Dave, um, and you, you kind of touched on this. 
you said that over teaching is very easy and i think it does connect with l lowering on the desire scale right i think it does connect with bringing down the desire from burning down to mild and i'm going to share a quick story and this isn't to then just put parents in the bad place because i think coaches are guilty of this as well because like i said i was too but had an interesting situation a couple weeks ago i was doing an on-course lesson with a group of of kids and one of the fathers said, hey, can, or actually his two fathers said, hey, can we come out and just, you know, hang out and watch? I'm like, yeah, sure, come on out, you know, no problem, right? And we're on the golf course, and I'm coaching them very lightly. Like, I'm giving them maybe some tasks on the holes, you know, maybe I'm having them do some different things where it's like, okay, you know, you have to use this club until you get onto the green, and then you can switch the putter, those kinds of things, right? And of course, you know, these kids are probably beginner to early intermediate level, and uh, this boy, uh, th this particular boy, he you know, wasn't getting the ball in the air every time, but he wasn't doing a bad job for playing golf for only three months. And, um, you know, the dad hops out of the cart and he kind of comes over and he says, all right, you got to stand like this. You got to hold the club like this. And then you got to swing like this. And you got to make sure your alignment's like this. Right. And so he did that and the kid, you know, swung and hit the ball. And I'm sure you can guess it didn't go exactly as planned. Right. You know, according to how, you know, the father kind of saw it play out, I didn't say anything. And then the father did it again. <laughs> and then what was interesting is the boy, uh, came up to me and he said, you know, next time is it okay if my dad doesn't come out to the on-course play? Uh, because the kid was having a lot of fun up until that point. And it wasn't that the dad necessarily ruined the experience, but you think about the over-teaching aspect of it, it had no benefit to what was going on on the golf course, right? I mean, this kid's trying to discover the game. He's trying to discover his skills. You know, he's trying to learn by making his mistakes, whether he knows it or not, right? And, you know, the dad's doing these things. And I wonder if it was because he saw me not doing very much, right? And I was just giving them tasks or targets. That was it. But I wasn't doing those things. I wasn't going in and changing the grip on every, you know, every swing and this and that, you know, because I just don't think it's a successful way to be able to do this on the golf course. <laughs> so anyways, let's go into the overteaching and why that can be a problem. So you talked about the long list and the driving range. Is there anything that you see from coaches or from parents that we could improve on? and be aware of to bring, make that teaching go a little bit lighter to help that desire stay high? Well, again, each child has different triggers. I think probably set yourself up for success. Big targets, big greens, big fairways, uh, you know, lower expectations. Uh, but setting up, you know, having putt two-footers before you go to four-footers, mm. and, and that's always fun. And uh, we can make the task easier for, you know, scale it down like U.S. Kids talks about, you know, give them a chance where they can hit a good drive and maybe reach the green and have a chance to make an eagle putt. That's always fun. Right. It creates a lot of excitement. And I think with parents sometimes they're always judging the student or their child. Maybe put the parents out there and let's judge them and see how they like it. And probably won't go very well. And I think it takes that before the light goes on to says, okay, I get it. Just like we said with teaching the parents all these swing thoughts like they're teaching their kids. And I don't know. That's why I like parents there. Hopefully, and you're not going to get everybody to listen, but hope you get a, you know, a high percentage to listen. And, uh, and maybe you got to say that message over and over and over. And if they don't ever hear it, then it's, it's probably not going to work out for their child. I totally agree with what you talked about with, you know, that advice of actually taking an adult and letting them experience that feeling of, you know, 
over being overcoached or overtaught in that in environment, I think that'd be huge for anybody, whether you're a golf coach who works at a golf academy or if you're a parent as well. And I think it'd be a good experience for all adults to go through. And this would be something if you're a coach listening to do this with other coaches at your golf academy is take them on the range and kind of give them that experience of what you don't want junior golfers to feel, which would be like, you know, give them eight things to think about, right? Versus given that other experience where basically you're coaching them lightly. And I think that's a very good actionable tip for both coaches and for parents listening to this episode. So I think that's huge. Yeah. I think when you suggest something with your swing and be patient, it's, it's going to take maybe a session or two, just that with that one swing thought. And I think we want to jump in there. Okay. They hit a good shot. Let's go on to the next swing thought. And as far it's a long ways from being second nature and then everybody's frustrated for sure. And it takes an experienced coach to know that. And I education, what your program offers, your podcasts and books I read and talk to other experts, I'm always learning something and I end up doing a better job. And it's usually teaching softer, lighter than teaching, you know, more details. For sure. It's hard. It's hard to get a child to understand the important of attention to do the details. And so you have to kind of do that in some other way that they don't even know that's what you're accomplishing. For sure. I, I would totally agree with you. And I think that takes an experienced coach or experienced adult understanding sports to really, really understand that. And I think that's it's huge what you said there, because I, I would say that the unexperienced are usually the ones that are doing what seems like the experience should be doing, but actually it's not the most beneficial towards the junior golfer's development. And I say that, you know, from my own personal experience of when I was an early on coach. Yeah, and I think an experienced coach realizes it's inch by inch. You know, you create a little momentum, create a little more desire, create a little more confidence. And if it's faster than inch by inch, it probably won't stick. And, yeah, you might have a little instant gratification, but if you can delay that for long-term gratification. But sometimes you don't know. Maybe I guess you need to know how many sessions they might take. And I guess you don't know. So sometimes you want to have success and you move too fast. And uh, that would probably be part of the assessment is what is your goal here? And and again, you're probably trying to educate the parents mm. more than the child. Absolutely. The child just wants to have fun. Absolutely. hundred percent. I totally agree. You know, I'm going to throw a plug out there for what I'm doing with the Operation 36 program. And what's really interesting is that in the application we use, we actually track the amount of training time that they, that they do. So if they go out and practice, they can actually log that in. And then during our nine hole challenges, we log in their scores from the different yardages that they play from. And I was going through the data because the, the application creates this really awesome report. And I was just curious because I, I know that I've been teaching curriculum in the classes, but it's been very light. And I know that a lot of these junior golfers just started out. But I was just curious like how it's related to their scores and how much they develop in their improvement. And I was going through, and I kid you not, and this actually is also includes with the ladies I was doing too. I kid you not, the improvement across the board was like on average, every single student had dropped between seven to 10 strokes. And this is, mind you, me teaching extremely lightly, them being in a positive environment, and them being able to go out onto the golf course regularly and playing these nine hole challenges or go on the golf course in our classes. And just them having that experience to understand the dynamic and the flow of the golf course 
while doing it in a safe environment with a certain only 25 yards away from the hole or 50 yards, whichever division they've moved on to. And they've been able to improve their scores if that's even what you're looking for. But the whole point of that was is that from the beginning, my coaching has been extremely light. And I've just followed very, very basic curriculum, at the, which is their rank one. And it's like, okay, today is green reading skills. And we talk about very basic things. We go over the, the educational part, how to see the slope and, you know, things to look out for. And then give them some tasks and games to just kind of reinforce that. And they're enjoying it. They don't know they're, they're learning without them even knowing that they're learning. And then it's just like, okay, so now the question is, is this working? Is it even helping them progress? Do they feel like they're getting better? And you ask kids a lot of times, and they actually always say they're getting better, whether you can see it or not. And then you look at this data, and it's like, actually, they are getting better. It's really interesting. And that all comes back from just teaching very lightly. Yeah, I love the idea of starting 50 yards, and then if you accomplish that task, whatever the score might be, and then moving to 75. And Travis is kind of like a child skipping first, second, or third grade and starting at fourth grade. I mean, they're not ready for it. So if you're starting them at 150 yards, you're not going to have much success. And I, we started doing that after learning some of the Operation 36 program. And I think it's a great idea, even for adults. You know, let's have little successes and uh, and build some confidence and momentum and go on from there. 100%. And I think that's what's going to help keep that burning desire high. A couple of experiences, both extremes. One that maybe thought they had burning desire. For example, I had a lesson yesterday and the student it called me 10 minutes before the lesson said their alarm clock didn't go off. Well, okay. That's probably not a real burning desire. I think anybody that has a burning desire probably doesn't even own an alarm clock. You know, they get up energized every day, <laughs> especially at the golf, getting, getting better, wanting to practice. And we, so we always talk about, Hey, if you don't own an alarm clock, that's the goal. Mm. And, and if that's the case, then you know, you've got that burning desire. And then on the other end, an extreme example of burning desire and I know the situation pretty well is Zach Johnson, who, by the way, has made $47 million plus and is 15th all time on the money list. My son went to the same school and played Division One golf at the same school Zach Johnson went to. And he graduated, you know, two or three years before my son did. But Zach in Iowa wanted to go to Iowa University, a Big Ten school, and, and they weren't interested. So he ended up at Drake. Missouri Valley Conference, a lesser known for golf. And I, so he's, he got humbled there, but it didn't stop him. So then his senior year, this, he was come, they were coming back from the conference tournament, and he was third on that team. And based on season scores, he played number three man at the conference tournament, Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. So after the tournament, they're riding back in the van, and the coach, you know, with the seniors, okay, player number one, what are you going to do after you get out of college? He goes, well, I'm going to come back and pursue my master's degree in business. Okay. Player number two, what, what are you going to do now? Well, I'm going to get into the family business. We're in the restaurant business, and I'm going to manage one of the restaurants. Okay, Zach, what are you going to do when you get out of college? I'm going to play in the PGA Tour. Mm. Looked him straight in the eye, no other options. You know, he was totally committed, didn't give no a chance, and it's amazing how that one played out. Mm. Third on his team, didn't get to go to his college of choice. And now he's, he is where he is. Mm, that's, that's a great story. I really like that. That's awesome. I, I would guess that, you know, behind a lot of PGA Tour players and LPGA Tour players, there's probably a very similar story to that, where their brand desire was so high that maybe they didn't even have a plan B. It was just, there's plan A. 
that's me going on the tour and that's what I'm going to do. And their mind was set on it and they had the desire behind it. They got them to that, that point. Yeah. And the, probably the parents played a huge role in that, always keeping it fresh and keeping it exciting and never causing any burnout and surround and having you surrounded, making sure you're surrounded with positive people mm -hmm. that have your best interest in mind. I totally agree. Absolutely. Those are great stories, Dave. All right, Dave, you've been a world of resource for all of us in many ways, especially in this topic today on this episode of Desire. What would be your final words of inspiration for raising golfers in relation to Desire? Well, I would say, Travis, if you can surround yourself with successful, extraordinary people, you know, likes attract likes. And I think you're the average of the people you spend most of your time with. And so be selective. You, you go to lunch with somebody that's going to be positive and encouraging uh, versus somebody that's going to be more pessimistic and, and get in the way of your dreams. I love that. That's a great last piece of advice for the listeners of the Raising Gold Horse podcast. I thank you so much for coming on this episode today, Dave. I think it was very useful for everyone and look forward to having you back on the podcast for more wonderful episodes on different topics related to junior golf. So thanks so much. Thanks, Travis. Always fun to catch up. All right. Another wonderful discussion with Dave Malone. And my big takeaways were that inconsistent golf comes from inconsistent behavior, while mild desire gets you mild results. And I think that's huge. And this is something that I have been trying to put together in my mind. And after talking to Dave a few weeks ago about this topic, it really kind of helped me click because I always really saw and felt that some children had interest in golf and some didn't, or the interest levels were at different rates or at different levels. But once I heard this about the difference between desire, I think it really kind of helped me kind of put it all together. And it also helps me start asking children these questions, and even asking parents these questions about where you think that their desire is. And I think it kind of kind of help us as adults try to get them to where we feel the children want to be. The second thing would be that it is really, really easy to overteach. And once I took the US Kids Coaching Certification course, I really liked the word coined from Jim Hardy, which is that they teach lightly. And that is all that I do in my group programs, especially with junior golfers, because I think it is for the best of their development, their interest levels, and getting their brain desire up higher. The last thing would be, is to surround yourself with successful, extraordinary people and be in a positive environment to help, to help you keep that burning desire alive. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in, tuning in this week. Look forward to having you here back on the podcast and hearing your feedback about this topic and episode.